You are listening to Get Real Podcast. Breaking through the linear mindset, I, I had to do some seeking on this. Is okay again. What's going on, and how does this, how does this work in the real universe that we live in? Is that if you pursue mythologies, if you pursue other religions, and this is what I was talking about in the last edition that we had, is that you're probably going to make some stops at some places that are kind of messy, and that you're not supposed to be on your way if you keep pursuing the logos. If you pursue all this stuff all the way through to the end and are not satisfied with where you're at, you will wind up at Logos. You will wind up at Christ. Amen. You will. No, that's cool. It, it, it's going to happen. Because, okay, the epic of Giglamesh. What's that about? That's about the flood. Yeah. Okay? So if you pursue that epic, if you pursue that story to the end, you're going to wind up at Christ. You will. How inspirational. A giant cube to escape because the gods were annoyed that uh, the humans were so noisy, I believe. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but I get it. Yeah. It will go to Logos. It will. I'm sitting there thinking, imagine, just uh, like a 12-year-old boy. He lives in a Viking village, okay? This sounds cool. Okay. <laughs> it's not a metal video, cornball. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but okay, you got a twelve-year-old Viking boy in a village. They're doing a ritual, right? They're burning a body, or you know, going to kill somebody, or whatever they did, right? But he's sitting there, going like, "Oh, life, death, my interpretation of logos, whatever measure of faith that is the quickening is happening in him." In God's mercy, if that kid is going, man, I hope Odin really dishes it out so we can survive the winter. Right? Mm -hmm. Does God despise that? Obviously, it's overt paganism. It is devolution in the sense of it involves human sacrifice. It is not the gospel. Okay? But the measure of logos that, and obviously this is fanciful, but that 12-year-old boy, in what he's been taught by his mother and father is projecting some sort of scenario where the maker or ruler or top alpha dog in the universe is going to either have some sort of mercy upon him in the form of crops, provisions, life, bounty. I don't know. Okay. I don't think that we are more civilized than an almighty merciful God that made everything and that mm -hmm. gave his only son. So I'm, you know what, Glenn, I will say this theologically. I am not, I'm a million miles away from a universalist. Okay. Oh yeah. I just think that you cannot justify that with scripture, but I am becoming more of 
an optimist. Yes, there's a difference between universalism and optimism. And optimism. And I believe, I don't believe that, okay, they went to hell, those those pagans, right? It was a person by the luck of the draw. I know there's not luck of a draw by the you know majestic hand of God and divine providence and all the different things that happen in this semblance of what looks like chaos to our weak eyeballs to try to interpret logos in the midst of a sunken disaster right um i interpret that to be like god is full of mercy yes and if he's not (laughs) we got a real problem on our hands we do i don't think god despises that at all i look back at my own life and my pursuit of logos it's funny, I got that up on the screen up there, the, lo- the logos, I keep looking at it. Um, I did a lot of really weird things in my pursuit of logos. One of them, okay, this is a get real moment, all right? When I was about 13, 14 years old, I was very moved by the things of God. I just didn't know how to get there. I, I didn't. So I thought that the best way for me to draw close to God would be to close my door, shut off the lights, put on some Gregorian chants, take a prayer coin that I had, and pray. Hmm. Now, from the... I don't know what it says about me, but I don't find that as weird. (laughs) Okay, okay. Everybody else in like 20 different countries thinks you're a weirdo right now. If you find that weird, please reach out to us at (laughs) lithoscry.com. No, go ahead. I didn't want to mess up your stream, but I wanted to mess up your stream. that is not... Maybe God heard me. And saw me doing that and was like, okay, I'm going to bless you with a little bit more. I'm going to lead you to these places where I will save you. Well, maybe. Interpret it. There was an execution, but what was behind of what you were executing? You were doing a behavior. You know, It was foolish. You're doing this. But what were you actually doing? You were responding to what you thought was close to God in a way that would bring you closer to Logos truth. Yeah. And there's actually scriptural examples of this. And so was that 12-year-old kid yeah. crying out to Odin. And there's scriptural examples of this. Huh. Let's go to Mars Hill. Want to go to Mars with me, Dan? I will. Let me say something really okay. quickly. Correct me if I'm wrong. All right. When it says, for God so loved the world, the world, the word world is cosmos Yes. in the Greek. I'm pretty sure. And sorry, I used to be a pastor. I'm not. Okay. But in all the world said, amen. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> Raven turd. All right. The world, what was created by that spoken word that had the very muse and imagination of almighty God, maker of heaven and earth behind it. Right. Mm-hmm. He loved it. Mm-hmm. Right. He loved it. And so the grace of God, his mercy, he's merciful over his creation. He wants it to be restored. I don't think the way we would do it with human interpretation of logos, with pride, with that, oh, I trust my eyeball. I would look and go, that kid's pagan. His parents are pagan. He's worthy of death. They're doing human sacrifice. And now, am I saying in a universalist sense that, there are many ways unto God. And no, absolutely no. not. That's bullcrap, right? No. But I am saying that the heart of those people trying to respond even erroneously to God, okay, 
there is, there's the touch of a raven there, right? Right, right. And if you look in the book of Acts at chapter 17, when Paul went to Athens. Okay, this is good. I love uh, It's this. one of my favorite parts of the Bible. I love this. And thank you, Elvite, because Elviti, Velvita, I'm sorry. It sounds a I, little sounds, bit like a mariachi uh, it band. It really does. It really does. <laughs> I apologize. Aye, to you. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> I love Elvite. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Led me to Acts chapter 17 when Paul went and made the appeal to the idol worshipers on Mars Hill. Mars Hill was named after the Greek god Mars. The candy bar? No, not the candy bar, not the candy bar. Mars Hill is where the Greek god of war, Ares, was tried for the murdering of Poseidon's son. Now, all this sounds whack, it's mythology, but people believed it. So Paul, in verse 16, it says that when he went to Athens, his spirit was stirred when he saw the city which was given to idolatry. And I like that they use the word stirred, and I want to kind of zero in on that, is that Paul wasn't stirred to go tear down the idols and to berate them for their idolatry. He saw people that were searching for logos. Yes. Good one. Okay. Nice. This he he saw people that were searching for logos. So he Which went, was being stirred by God through the Holy Spirit right. or through some ravens. Through some ravens, exactly. They were being stirred by the Spirit. Exactly. Okay. So Paul went directly to Mars Hill, a high place, a high place of idolatry. Imagine if somebody from a religious organization did that today. They'd probably be thrown out for going to that place of idolatry and idol worship. He went there, and this is what he said. He said, ye men of, ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. So he's not berating him. He's like, hey, wait a minute, guys. Uh, you're a little bit overboard on this. There's some truth here. But you're a little superstitious about all this. And then he says, for as I passed by and beheld your devotions, they were having devotions, kind of like me locking the door, mm-hmm. li- listening to the Gregorian chants with my little uh, prayer, prayer coin. I perceived, as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God whom therefore ye ignorantly worship." Mm. So they had this altar that was there to this unknown God that they did not know, but they worshipped him. Dan, you've got some insight into that. Yes. Um, We did a terrestrial radio interview with an author that wrote a couple of incredible books. And if you like to read, I don't know if you can find them on audio, but um, you can definitely find them in print. One is called Eternity in Their Hearts. And I apologize because this was all impromptu. I didn't prepare for this part of it. And um, the other one is called The Peace Child. And wonderful uh, Christian brother and just laid out some real truth bombs. And the beginning, if I'm not mistaken, of Eternity in Their Hearts talks about the prequel of what God did, okay, through a raven before this event happened. So when Paul came upon the the um, the altar to the unknown God, there was something that happened maybe a hundred years, a couple hundred years. It happened historically before this time, and it had to do with the pestilence. It had to do with a city that was at its end in dire straits, and God did something miraculous 
that motivated them to put up that altar. So Paul was actually reaping something that had already been sown. Yes. And it didn't happen within a matter of 30 days, but 100 years. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know how many. Or, I can't there, remember. There was a long period of time. period of time that passed. But great books. Look those up. Ah, I, I need to look that guy's. We need to reference him in the notes because that, that's a great author. He did an um, interview with us definitely, years ago. Definitely do that. So then this is really neat. Paul directs them to Logos. This is awesome. Yeah. If you think about it, this is what he says. This God, the one that you don't know, your altar to the unknown God, is the one that is omnipotent, created the entire universe and everything living within it. Now, this is a big deal, and I thought about this a little bit more. You've got in this mythology, in Celtic mythology, in Greek mythology, you've got all these different gods with all these different powers. No god in any of these mythologies is omnipotent. It's all broken up. Now, for us in our human minds, it's really kind of hard to conceive an all-powerful, omnipotent God. Yeah. There's a lot of misconceptions about that. And that even if you take a look at God's got how many different names in Scripture, that can get confusing to the human mind. you got El Shaddai, the God uh, El Elyon, El you got Elyon. Um, Jehovah... Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah... Rova. Oh, I, I don't want to pronounce make a, it. Yeah. But they're all there and you can do. A, so in the temporal human limited mind, you're like, OK, so you got all these gods. So I can see how a society that's seeking logos, seeking truth can be like, well, there's a God for this and there's a God for that because we can't be all powerful. Right. So that kind of makes sense. So here he is. OK, you got all these idols here. Well, all this stuff that you worship and all these different dudes is all wrapped up into the one who created all of this. Interesting. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. And when he said, stop being, uh, I I, um, feel that you're being too superstitious. Yeah. It's almost like you think about what is superstition. And to be too superstitious would be that mentally and emotionally, you would endue magic, God-likeness to things and events that are not deserved of it, right? So if it's, um, oh, no, um, my grandmother used to tell me that certain people she would work with when they were little kids, they knew that they were superstitious. So if they put an X in the dirt, that old woman would not go that direction. She would avoid that area the whole day because she thought that something bad would happen to her if she crossed where that X was drawn in the dirt. So they would draw X's yes. and box her in and yes. tease her, you know, when, I mean, this is probably in the twenties, you know, and, and, um, but you think about that superstitiousness is to super spiritualize yes. those things. And it's kind of like what you're saying, God, with all these different facets, all in the one true God, their paganism in their dull, through a glass darkly, through really bad, tinted, dirty windows, right? Um, we're trying to conceive. And even though their gods were sneaky and treacherous and they were they, they were, were like real kind of malefactors. Yeah, but but they were trying to perceive the attributes of the, or God was trying to give it to them even through their own uh, yeah. weird pagan narratives. Yeah. And if you take a look at the Celtic mythology and narratives, there is one God, Lugos. Hmm. Who has three faces? Whoa. You know what Lugos sounds like to me? 
Legos. Legos, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the author that we were bringing up, get, get this book. If you get one of these books, please get Eternity in Their Hearts. He talks about the Karen people or Karen people in um, Burma, which is, they changed the name, but let's go Burma. In Burma, there was this group of people in the same way that you're talking about God's preparation sovereignly. The Karen people read about them. They, they had all these things written down about there was Yahweh and he was the original mm. God and um, the first man and woman did something really, really bad. But there was no Christian or Judeo symbolism in their culture. Okay. It was almost like they were an isolated group of people that had an Adamic, like Adam telling some of his kids, here's what happened. You know, Eve and I blew it real bad. Smooth one, Eve. <laughs> you know, he's blaming it on her, right? But Eve and I blew it real bad. Here's the situation we're in. It was almost like an Adamic sort of evangelism. So they knew that it was passed down. They had things that sounded like the Psalms. They were crying out to Yahweh and all this stuff. It was in in the first, they were waiting for someone who had the book to tell them how to get out of the pickle they were in. Isn't that crazy? They were crying out for Logos. Yeah. And when you cry out for Logos, Logos shows up. Yeah. And you know what? They were not willing, apparently, to receive some sort of temporal payoff. Riches, power, money, some sort of temptation. And then that would have probably led them in the area. Eventually, they're they're killing virgins and babies and people and, and slaves and, and cutting out hearts thinking and cannibalism, thinking that that's going to make their crops blessed. It gets very sensual, right? Mm-hmm. It either turns one way or the other culturally. It'll either be a blossoming of, of Logos, the answer of the divine, God's still speaking, or the rejection of logos, right? Right. And a sword is not what makes that happen. No. Right? No. The Vatican saying we're going to turn you upside down and like slice you in half or burn you at the stake is not what quickened logos. And no other denomination, I'm not picking on the Catholics or or, or group of or belief set. It's not that. It was not by sword. It was not by hook or crook. It wasn't by payoff. It was by groups of individuals hungering after the truth of God. And then on their nations and on their hearts and on those individual households, God gives that truth and may give that truth towards our sloppy, chaotic crap, you know, of whatever we're trying to do. It's amazing. It's amazing. God answers stuff. And it's a mess. It's a mess. And in the midst of the mess that Paul was in on Mars Hill, one of the cool things about Mars Hill is that it was a place where people would go to discuss philosophy, religion, and politics. So it was not uncommon. It was a very good place for Paul to interesting. go. Very interesting. So Trying to glean out the muse. Exactly. And this is what Paul does. Is he doesn't, as I said earlier, he doesn't go to there and berate them and use pathos to get them all whipped up. He doesn't use ethos. Hey, you got to do it better. You got to worship those idols a little bit. We're having a blue light special on salvation on aisle three. I wanted to get you people informed, and here's some coupons. You can make your way over to the register. It's going to happen with you tonight, ma'am, you know, and get them all fired up. No, No, it's not the way God moves. He used reason with Hmm. them. Interesting. Go for it, Dan. That's the raven. That's, that's the raven. That's that temporal thing. Reve, that yep. anointed bird turd was reason. It was yes. like, and I'm not trying to be crass. I'm just joking around, but it's there was a temporal tool 
Because normally you could reason with them. Yeah, I could take a bunch of kindergartners and say, here's a flame and light up a flame and go, do you want to put your hand in that? Because it's burning, right? And if that's what hell is even worse is for all, do you want to get saved? And all the toddlers, that's not evangelism, okay? And so to sit there and think that, wow, what Paul did. And he connected the dots. Yeah. Prophetic arts. He connected the dots. He took what was in their society and what was in their culture and connected the dots. Hmm. And I hope that those that are listening to us that are listening to the Elvite album, that we can help you connect the dots. I'd even love to. I'd love it if Kriegel, that's the guy in Elvite, the, the lead guy, if he heard this podcast and we just sit down and we talk. Yeah. And just connect the dots. Not that I want to convince him of anything, because I can't no. convince anybody. I want to hear anything. where he's coming I from. I'm hear. fascinated. Yeah. It's, a, it's a fascination to see the way that God sovereignly moves in other people, even if they don't know it or if they do know yeah. it. And, and then there's a lot of religious jargon mm-hmm. where we hype up what God is actually doing. And there's nothing in that what this guy is saying from Elvite that is hype, or what that young lady is saying that is hype. It's an honest, hey, this is what we see. This is dear to us, and we, we want to know more. Yeah. Let's talk. Huh. That'd be awesome, no, wouldn't good it? Stuff. Yeah, and then we can be. rock the hurdy-gurdy and the bagpipes yeah. afterwards oh, and do that. Yeah, it's, good know, music. it's good, good stuff. music. Good music. But here's what Paul did. He said that God, the one, the omnipotent one, cannot be contained in temples made with hands. He gives all life and breath to all things. He's using reason. This is where you came from. I love this. And he says, as certain also of your own poets, they're poets, not preachers, not priests, nobody from the priesthood, they're poets, they're musicians. Wow. They're musicians, they're lyricists, have said, for we are also his offspring. Wow. So he's connecting. I I wonder if there was an Elvite of that day. Wow. There must have been. Okay. And he's connecting the dots. Oh, the poets, the artists, the people that were walking and they're walking up to the potter's wheel with a with a lump of clay. They're walking with their palette up to a blank sheet. Yes. They're walking up and they see they're tuning up their guitar, knowing oh the possibilities, and they're consulting whatever they're gleaning out of the muse, exactly. whatever they're feeling. And it could be for payoff. It could be for dude. I'm gonna wail on this guitar for chicks and for money and for you know whatever. Or it could be the true expression of what is happening. And Devin Townsend comes uh, to mind yes, every single yes. time, every single time. And Glenn, you can edit this or not edit this. I have to pee like a Russian racehorse. <laughs> we will be back momentarily. <laughs>
we were saying. We were talking about the poets. So the ones that we're speaking of, them being the offspring of God, were not the theologians. They were not the philosophers. They were the poets. And in today's world, the majority of our poets, I believe, are the musicians and the lyricists. So then Paul said, God is not like unto gold or silver or stone or graven by art and man's device. He's greater than that. He cannot be contained in temples. So basically what happened is God uh, God used Paul to use reason, logos, to bring many of the people that were there to logos. And that's what happened on Mars Hill. And that's what I see happening with this new album from Elvite, The Raven. I love the picture of The Raven on that thing. And that's what God is doing. Is it's, He's using reason and surpasses the ethos and it surpasses the pathos and when you appeal to reason people are saved wow really stands out god is not like unto gold or silver or stone or graven by art and man's device man's effort man's work man's sense of inspiration or understanding of the world around him god is not like unto gold or silver or stone or graven by art or man's no, device. No. Wow. I want to go on the web here again real quick. It's good quick. stuff, Glenn. It is, it is just mind-blowing. Um, I'm going to take a look here real quick. There's another another video with, with a comment. Oh, I think we've got something coming in here in just a second. Okay, so this other song that they have, and I'm terrible with my pronunciations, Amberamus, I believe. Uh, that's terrible. Go down to the comments here. I'm going to go down here. There's two comments that are very interesting. Here's the first comment that, uh, that I found interesting on this. When we watch this video, what did, what, what did just happen here? Dear Lord, I got chills and goosebumps from hearing this. Move somebody. Look at this one right here, this comment. I just saw the Elder Scrolls without getting blind. Guess I'm a prophet now. Hmm. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Now, I think that's a reference to a video game. But again, very interesting comment that somebody would put that there. So a lot going on, a lot going on in the prophetic arts. And God is moving prophetically and artistically for the purpose of the salvation of souls. Yeah. God will use bird turds. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and I say that celebrating the fact that when you recognize that ministry gifts are temporal. Yes. They have an anointing on them, but they are temporal. Yes. So it's like if you're a minister, if you're, you know, sitting there trying to do, humble yourself from outside, humble yourself down to the ground of going like, it's God that makes the difference. It's the logos that makes the difference. It's, and if God uses your charisma, your speaking ability, your imagination, your discipline, your um, brilliant mind, whatever. It, it's a bird turd and you need it's to temporal. be aware of that. It's temporal. It's a bird turd. And you can sit there and go, I'm going to minister. But if you sit there and go like, well, I'm a great speaker. I have a big church. I've got, Oh, we see 12, five regular, you know, don't, don't be a douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, your, your giftings are not your identity. Yeah. And that's where a lot of people get to. Oh, but it's hard if you feel like they're packing the pews because you're the rock star, but you don't have the honesty to say, I'm just being a rock star, but you're actually using 
something that God gave you to influence them, you need to understand that that is temporal. It's not anything unto itself. And so if you took a pistol and said, here's evangelism, you better get in the can, you know, it's not evangelism. You can cross that line with your charisma. Yeah. Your charisma can be a loaded weapon. It can be. Your gifting, your, your brain, your teaching ability, your, it can be your downfall. It can be your downfall. Total downfall. And the the ideal or the, the, the thing that we want and that a true minister would want is that Logos himself would reveal himself to you. Our job is just to point you to Logos. That's right. It. And he'll use a mule, a donkey. Anything that he wants because he's sovereign. Exactly. And he's omnipotent. And he's not like graven images made of gold. And of silver and of stone. In art and in device. Art and device. Well, wow. We went a lot of different places there, brother. Yeah, Glenn. <laughs> that was good. If anybody's got any questions for us and like to reach out to us and talk to us, just go to bonehead.com. <laughs> I'll have to reserve that domain name now, bonehead.com. <laughs> go to lithoscry.com, L I T H O S C R Y.com, or you can email us at lithoscry, L I T H O S C R Y at gmail.com and again man i'd love to just sit and talk to these guys from Vite. i'd love it yeah it'd be great and for the listeners don't be a chump ask god to reveal himself to you <laughs> how's that for ministry no seriously i don't care what you're up to how bad you are how good you are what i don't I really don't care nope. um ask god you know is this legit these guys seem to have some sort of weird confidence that you're there, you know, even though they don't have it all outright, no. you know. <laughs> Wait until we start doing these by video live. Yeah. Oh. And if you really were inspired today, we'd like you to send us a precious moments figurine. <laughs> and we're going to smash it on smash air. Smash it to smithereens. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, please do. If you send us one, we will smash it with hammers. All yeah. sorts of art and device will go into the destruction yes. of the precious moments figure play the bagpipes bad theology <laughs> must die <laughs> thanks again for listening to us yeah, we'll thanks be back guys to you thank you so much <laughs> <laughs>